with your powers combined, we are fan holes. Go, go, go fan can't believe there's a chat room big enough to hold all of our present bodies. Wow. <laughs> of all the things I missed about the show, I miss Tony being wrong always. We've already got a me. We don't need another me. <laughs> oh boy, of the sheer episode. Ah <laughs> uh, yes, Derek. Lover of lobster women. Defender of Starfire's fidelity. I just want to know, who is the consultant? Who could he be? <laughs> no! I have no heart! <laughs> <laughs> Nobody's gonna relate to a, a talking cat that eats lasagna. I'll okay. do it, but I want to be immediately killed afterwards. <laughs> <laughs> Derek, in your Derek layer, do you have a list of that tells you like how to take down the other fan holes? Should we like go crazy? How does my stupid voice sound? You sound beautiful. Like ten times sexier. Good job. No one gets us because we don't explain it. Beyond the darkness. Beyond the human evolution is Khan, a genetically superior tyrant, exiled to a barren planet, banished by a starship commander he is destined to destroy. Left for dead, he has survived. I'll chase him round the moons of Nibia and round the Antares maelstrom and round Perdition's flames before I give him up. There she is. to go on hurting you. I shall leave you as you left me. My room for all eternity. Very alive. Very alive. Charm! Charm! At the end of the universe lies the beginning of vengeance. Star Trek II. The Wrath of Khan. Hey guys, welcome back to another star-faring, horrific, genesis-tastic episode of Fan Holes Podcast. Hey, what's up guys? This is Derek, Derek WC. I'm going to be one of your hosts tonight, and I am not alone. Joining me are two of my fellow crew here on the Starship Fan Holes. Why don't you guys give a shout out and let everybody know who's here tonight? Hey, it's Mike. Sauce for the goose. This is Justin. Beware Romulans bearing gifts. Yeah, so it's been it's been forty years. And as we are apt to do lately, this is an anniversary show. And this is uh I think, you know, one in a long line of maybe anniversary shows this year, but I I mean, I don't know. I speaking for myself, since I was alive then, I'm like nineteen eighty two feels like my the sweetest movie spot for me. Like, 
ever. Like, I, I just feel like everything in 1982, I look at it and go, it gives me good vibes, good feels and everything. And this film is no exception. We're going to be talking about, if, if you haven't figured it out yet, we're going to be talking about Star Trek II, The Wrath of Khan. And, of course, this was a feature film that was released in 1982. It starred the entire cast of the original Star Trek series and had the returning villain Khan Noonien Soong back to wreak vengeance against Admiral Kirk, you know, and, uh, and, and, and the whole kind of submarine space battle that that entails you know i mean i think i think we've all sort of rewatched the the movie beforehand and i guess we're gonna we're gonna discuss the film and everything i don't i don't think there's any need to i mean it's star trek 2 man like if you're listening to this you know what happens in star trek 2 right like we, we don't have to we don't have to go into a synopsis or anything like that i yeah i don't know man like this is this is one of those it's funny, too, because, you know, I feel like whereas like some of the other movies that got a bad rap are maybe getting a uh, reevaluation many years later. I feel like this was one of the ones where it was, you know, critically, uh, you know, uh, you know, valued or, or you know, had had critical approval right off the bat, or at least maybe I felt that way. I mean, I know I loved it. I, I have total nostalgia goggles for this, and I, I don't think the quality is anything that that makes that unwarranted you know what i mean like i i think i think the quality happens to be super high and it just coincides with my nostalgia goggles i mean i i don't know for me this is my you know i i know some people are like ah it has nothing to do with exploring or whatever but like this is this is my favorite star trek movie like i love this movie like every time i watch it it's like the greatest thing ever like it keeps you like engaged and hooked and I mean, everything about Captain Kirk that I love is in this movie. Like, I, I don't know. Like, it's, it's it, you know, it, it was one of those movies as kids I watched over and over and over again. And it, eminently quotable, you know, you were always, you know, quoting Kirk or Khan or Spock or whoever, you know, like, you you know, that that whole thing. I mean, uh, you know, well-directed, the, the uh, you know, and me being an old codger, like, I love all the special effects that seem like they're actually like real things instead of, cgi glibbity gloops or whatever the fuck we have these days you know what i mean like what like that 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 notion of you're watching the ship and you're like oh man that's a huge big ship and it's like a real thing and it is a real thing because it's a fucking model and like it looks real and like it's got lights and they go into the nebula and it looks beautiful and all this stuff so you know acting is great and i you know i don't know i i you know I'm 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 completely and totally biased. Like I I have I have virtually nothing nothing bad to say about this movie. I fucking love this movie. What what about you guys? Like do you do you have opposing opinions? Like how did you I mean obviously it, it probably wasn't like me. Like I was I I saw this movie in the theater, but how did you guys come to the the film and 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 what are your kind of thoughts on it? Well, I mean, I I have no nostalgia 
for this movie because I, I think I only really ever saw it. Like, I, I don't even remember. Like, this movie and movie and the fourth movie were playing on TV. I feel like I'm, we're playing on TV the most. So, I mean, mm. I saw okay. this movie and, like, The Voyage Home, like, a million times, like, uh, like in pieces, like, on playing on different, like, TV stations over the years. And, I mean, one day I finally, like, watched it the whole way through. And I was like, oh, yeah, I can see why this is, like considered like the best star trek movie so i mean like i i love it too like i because it is you revisionist history exactly like i I can exactly like i jumped on the bandwagon at the end but like i like i I have no nostalgia for it but like unlike like you know i think when we rewatched first contact i was kind of remembering was first contact good and i was like well everyone says it's good and then i rewatched and i was like oh like i don't know like i i think it's obviously the best next generation movie but is it a good movie and i, I was kind of like yeah i mean it's okay but this this like holds its rep and maintains its rep i think mm-hmm. so like it is the best star trek movie i'd say and i mean i i like it too but i probably just don't have like the nostalgic like fondness that you guys do for, like for it i was very young when i saw this and i'm pretty sure this was the first of the films that i saw and i i know i had not seen every episode of the original series because there was even until like the mid to late nineties, there were still like two or three episodes of the original series I hadn't seen because I remember getting some magazine and it had a uh, it had a sold out poster and it had uh, on one side it was like a you know a picture of the Enterprise on the opposite side it was a episode guide and I remember I taped that to my wall like I bought two of those magazines I put the picture of the Enterprise on one wall. And I put the episode guide on the other side of the wall and I was like examining it. And I was like, oh, there's like three, maybe four episodes I've never seen. And I was like, whoa, oh, that's what, why haven't I seen these? Like I thought I'd seen everything. So that that's one of those like pre-internet days that you're just like, well, you know, now I can just go like Google it and look at the right. But like right. but back then it's like, okay, you know, there's like 79, 80 episodes because that's repeated on all these like TV specials and magazines and books, but you don't really know what the name of every episode is. So that was handy. But I, I know that I did to see every episode, but um, like I said, I was really young. I know I've told this story on an old, old episode of Fandles where we talked about Star Trek, but this was one of three things that made me cry as a little kid. The death of Spock, the death of Optimus Prime, and... When Frosty the Snowman melted, I bawled my eyes out. Cause like I, I don't, I don't think I was aware that there were other movies. If I, I feel like if I had been aware, I wouldn't have cried or I, I don't know. But I just remember getting wrapped up in a movie and I was so enthralled with it. And kind of like Derek said, like even now when I watch it, I'm just like in love with it. I love everything about it like the the acting the visuals the score is fantastic Mm but i was just wrapped up in the movie and so like when spock is talking about you know like i never took the kobayashi remove test what do you think of my solution and he just like he lays against the glass and the camera pulls out and kirk's just kind of sitting there you can tell he's just like the lights are on but nobody's home he's just trying to process this i think 
that's when I started crying. And then when they lower the torpedo and Scotty starts playing Amazing Grace, like I just lost it. And I remember my dad was kind of like, uh, I don't know, I, I forget exactly what he said, but he's like, don't be stupid. It comes back the next one, you know, something like that. Like he, he was not exactly like, you know, thrilled for his kid to be crying over <laughs> something like that, I guess. But, uh, but yeah, I also remember like being obsessed with the space battle and he, I would like doodle. Like I would try to like recreate the, the space battle scenes on paper. And I remember like trying to draw the Reliant and I could never get it right because because of the roll bars, I kept drawing them like they were like these giant curved things. I don't know, like I just couldn't like get it get it right. And I don't think I had like, you know, Mr. Scott's Guide to the Enterprise or anything like that. <laughs> I was just I would like pause it and I'm like oh yeah, I'm like going on memory or I would pause it and I'm like Okay, it goes down like that, and then that connects the warp may cell and all this stuff. And I just like I remember like going to church as a little kid, and every week, like my church would print their own bulletin. You know, it's like all the information and all this stuff and the attendance and whatever. I would always like flip it over on the back and doodle all over it during the sermon, <laughs> and I would, you know, I would draw like space battles or I would draw like you know, you know, trying to like get the Reliant just right, or I would draw, like, Kirk fighting the Gorn, and I would try to, you know, like, wait, what does the Gorn look like? Like, how many how many spikes does he have on his head? Like, okay, and his eyes is like this, I'm sitting there, like, I have no idea what the, you know, the pastor is talking about. I'm, just, I'm in my own little world, like, drawing the Reliant and the Gorn and stuff like that, but, but yeah, like, I, I love this movie, but, you know. It's funny you're giving me flashbacks because, you know, I was raised Catholic, so I, I, I went to my share of uh, masses and things like that. But, yeah, I, I do remember, you know, being in my own world at certain points, you know, especially when you had to, you know, pull up the, the or pull down the pew to rest your knees and all that stuff because you were, you know, you were in the, the prayer formation or what have you. And I just remember kind of being in my own world. You know, I, I don't think I was allowed to doodle or do whatever the hell i wanted but you know i i certainly probably my mind probably wandered i'm I'm sure i thought of star trek and other things i mean i i think uh, I, don't, I don't know if i've ever told this story on the podcast before but i remember you know where my mind was at was i you know there, there was a big sermon and you know adam and eve and the whole nine yards and i was just kind of like so i went up to the it was funny because I, I think i asked my mom because i was like Okay, so what about the dinosaurs? Because I learned all about the dinosaurs. So I was like, how does how did the dinosaurs fit into Paradise Lost? You know, like I don't. I, I was like, what's the continuity here? I don't understand. You know, I was trying to make you know, fucking comic nerd, right? I'm trying to make you know everything even at a young age. And um, and then I went and asked the priest, and uh, and he's kind of like, oh well, you know, this part in the the first you know, seven days where, or the first six days, you know, Genesis in six days. Now we got it in six minutes, you know, or whatever. <laughs> but in the, in the first six days, he pointed to this point where the, you know, the Leviathan and the whole mm -hmm. nine yards and everything. And he's kind of like, well, the Leviathans were big, huge, you know, creatures and, and we don't know much about them. And that's, that's where the dinosaurs fit. And I was like, Oh, okay. I was like, okay, like that totally made sense to me. And I was just like, okay, I, I'll go with that, you know, and everything. And and so that 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 worked for me. I mean, similar to Justin, I mean, I, I watched this in the theater and I probably have told this story on frequent Star Trek podcasts, but 
I had not seen the motion picture before this. This was like Justin, the the first Star Trek film I saw. It was the first Star Trek film I saw in the theater. I was, I, I probably wasn't even five yet. I mean, technically, right? Like, like, uh, you know, I mean, you know, I by all intents, I should have been five, but you know, I'm I'm a late baby or whatever. You know, I was born in October, so I was probably going to be five in maybe you know three or four months, but I was not yet five when I saw this, and it was a, you know, it was like a summer movie in the whole nine yards. And I remember specifically going down to the theater and we went and watched it. And I think even though even though I had the motion picture Mr. Spock figure and I, I have memories of the read along book of the motion picture, for some reason in my head, I construed it like the original series was Star Trek one. You know what I mean? And then and then Star Trek two is the first movie and. It was just a sequel to the TV series or something. You know what I mean? Like, and I, maybe I thought that because it's like, I remember they didn't necessarily have like, every, I mean, I, maybe they did back then, but, but at least the video shop that we went to, they did not have like every single episode of the original series that you could rent. You know what I mean? And, and I remember specifically when that, when when Star Trek Two came out, they they went out of their way to get the copy of the tape that had Space Seed, you know. So like people that were like, oh, I I, I don't remember that, and they want to go back and watch it or whatever, you know. It was like it was right there in the the video store for you to watch and stuff like that. And I don't think I had seen Space Seed before I saw this movie. Like I think I saw Space Seed after that. Like I think maybe I asked or something and said, can we? get this and can I watch it and that kind of thing and like Justin you know when Mr. Spock died I was crying and you know I'm kind of come on dude I was four but but yeah I was I you know I was upset about it and and you know I guess I guess the 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 main twinge on it is it's like we were walking out of the theater and you know my dad was just kind of like oh don't feel bad man they're, they're gonna bring him back in the next one and and it's funny listening to all the behind the scenes stuff and hearing about how, you know, oh no, Leonard Nimoy really wanted this to be the one where Spock died and all this stuff. And it cracks me up because now I think about it like, you know, 40 years later and I'm, I'm, I'm thinking like, oh, w- wouldn't it be fucking funny if like both your dad and my dad, like if, if like somehow they did decide to go along with that and, and it was just, you know, I don't know, Savick replaced Spock in the next like, you know, four or five movies or whatever. And it just, it was, it was like for really reels and stuff. And then it'd be like, you know, Oh, you thought you was so fucking smart, but turns out he really is dead or whatever. You know what I mean? Like I, 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 I somehow I think that'd be like a funny alternate universe or whatever, but yeah. And, and I guess, I guess in, in, uh, in, in the movie's defense, it, it didn't, you know, the, the, the follow-up movies did not make my dad a liar. Right. It was like, it was like, he, they, he, they, he totally came back. I, I remember feeling the same way about like Godzilla too, but I don't think I think that that was after that was after you know because it was like '84 I think when I saw the Return of Godzilla and like that was you know a few years later so it was like there was that thing of like oh man like what's up with is Godzilla dead like and and at that point it was kind of like the routine where it's like no 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 don't you know Godzilla he'll be back. You know, and it was like by that point I had gone through. So it was not like I cried when Godzilla died. It was just I was like, what the fuck? You know, like, why is Godzilla dead? You know, like that kind of thing. But I mean, yeah, I don't know. This 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 film was super influential on me, I think. You know, I mean, it's I, I can't you know, it's it's the gold standard 
You know, like it's it, it's the fucking gold standard of Star Trek. And 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 I think in some ways, like there were things where, you know, l- later TV series and films that come out and I say it somewhat derisively that it's it's, you know, the, the Battlestar Galactica reimagining. I, I appreciate it. Right. But I, I've always said about that. It's, you know, drama disguised as science fiction. And I think with this, like you know, they, they called it space opera, right? That, that's, that's what, if there was any critical panning of this, that that's what it was. It's space opera. Right. And it falls into the whole, you know, the even, you know, uh, Siskel and Ebert always were on about the even Star Trek movies are better than the odd movies and yada, 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 yada. And like I said, I don't necessarily subscribe to that, but I certainly subscribe to Star Trek two is the best one and a good Star Trek movie. But I, I think the difference between drama disguised as science fiction and this is that they called it space opera. And it it's like you you feel that, right? Like it's it's important and it it still has that science fiction aspect. It's not disguised as anything else, you know, but there is there is lots of drama to it. You know what I mean? And it and then, you know, to me it all works and it's always worked. And you know, I don't know, maybe maybe there's people that are not of our generation or or you know, I don't know, you know, further, you know, I don't know, several generations removed and this film looks quaint or doesn't have any impact on them or whatever. But for for me, again, it still completely holds up. Yeah, like, I mean, I, I was going to say, it's like, what's I, like, I, I don't know a whole lot of background. Like I was I was, you know, I was going to depend on you guys to give me all the trivia and like background on this movie and whatever. But what possessed the writer to like bring back Khan? Like, I mean, I've seen Space Seed, but like, I mean, in, it's a good episode. But like, you know, out of like Khan isn't the most like unique or memorable villain, I feel like from the original series. I mean, well, I like, think it, I think it, part of it was Ricardo Montalban, you know, like he yeah, was, he's, he was he, he has was, a presence. Definitely, well, but but, yeah. but but I think what you need to understand is he was he was he, a draw like he, yeah. he, he was doing freaking, yeah. Uh, yeah, Fantasy Island and everybody knew who he fucking was. You know what I mean? Like it was it was like this thing where. Think of it this way: like the the reason why they put Alec Guinness in Star Wars was because people he was he was a name actor. He was a British actor. It it lended uh, a sense of credibility to it, and and that that's why you know everybody knows Bridge on a River Kwai, Academy Award, like yada yada yada, like all this stuff, right? That that's why he was involved in Star Wars to begin with. He was the get for that film, and. I'm not saying it's exactly the same, but there there were similar principles in play where, you know, it's not necessarily and, and this is not decrying either. You know, I'm not like trying to compare, you know, talents or whatever or anything like that, because I think they're both very talented actors. But I guess what I'm trying to get at is Ricardo Montalban was hot. He was he was a hot commodity. He was he was a television star at the time and 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 it was this idea of it, it was probably very tempting for him to have a, a featured role in a film that was going to be seen by so many people and and I, I think it was an easy kind of they didn't have to twist his arm too much to return right to reprise the role and especially given the the kind of you know 
Moby Dick kind of, you know, Ahab's whale thing that they were going with. It seemed like he was like super into it and all that kind of stuff. But I mean, that that was kind of my take on it. I mean, I, I think also this movie probably wouldn't have happened if the motion picture was successful. You know what I mean? Like, like if you if you go back, right, and and it's the same thing, right? I mean, I, I don't want to get into this old argument again or whatever. You know, the people that that reappraise it or has, have always loved it. You know, the motion picture and and everything about it. And I, you know, I'm not a detractor. Like, I appreciate the motion picture, but the facts are, it it, it they spent a lot of money on it, and it was not critically well received. And and th there there was some thought of we, we have to change things up. That's why the uniforms were different. That's why the whole approach to it was different and why it was, you know, a submarine battle in space. That's why they made it about, you know, vengeance and, and, and kind of uh, a chess match between Khan and, and Kirk and the, the whole nine yards like like this. This essentially, for lack of a better term, was a soft reboot as well. And I, I think all of those things played a factor in 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 the choices that they made. Like like basically it was their way to return to basics. Like let's get something from the original series that you know, something that maybe the fans can get behind, but then also let's tweak the uniforms, let's 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 not have it be ship porn and go in a direction of, you know, like I mean that that's that's what made the the turn was the reaction to the motion picture, I think. But I, I'm I'm sure Justin has other, you know, insights and tidbits to to contribute to that kind of line of inquiry. So one of the first decisions they made was to remove Gene Roddenberry as any kind of producer or anything because he drove everyone absolutely freaking bananas on the motion picture. And they kind of blamed a lot of the problems of that film and its production on him and they they basically give him a uh, like a, con a consultant uh, credit on the film and then they brought in um harvey bennett the producer he'd worked on i think the six million dollar man and the bionic woman and he sat down and watched every episode of the original series and I would imagine part of his thinking was what Derek was talking about, you know, Ricardo Montalban and Fantasy Island. But he always says that the thing for him was out of all these episodes, Khan was the memorable villain for him. So that's what he wanted to pursue. That like that was his idea. And I think one of the like what we see is Wrath of Khan was actually like three or four different scripts kind of like mushed together and reformatted. I think the original idea was the movie was going to be called War of the Generations, and the Genesis device was called Omega, and it wasn't going to be Carol Marcus. It was going to be Derek. Do you remember the the blonde lady from the Deadly Years, like Kirk's old girlfriend? Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. She was she was going to be the developer of this Omega weapon, and they were. Kirk and Spock and everybody was going to go to this planet, and there's like this uprising of like. Mostly young kids, like I guess I guess nowadays it would be like an Occupy kind of movement, but they would go there and Kirk would discover the leader of this movement is his son. And then they would further find that the power behind the throne, the guy manipulating Kirk's son is actually Khan. 
and they were going to have like this big like sword duel and you know a space battle at the end and at some point like spock was going to die i think in that draft like spock was going to die in the middle of the film or something and they were always kind of playing around with that and then there were like other ideas where you know I think there's one draft where like Savick was actually a man and she was some kind of scientist, but like they they had this meeting and they ended up they were like, okay, let's just take different ideas from these scripts. Like let's take what like let's take the ideas we think will work and put them into one script, and that's where Ratha Khan comes from. And along the way, stuff changed. You know, like Savick became a woman and Spock's protege. And, you know, that scientist lady from the Daily Years became Carol Marcus and, you know, all that stuff kind of developed. And then, again, even though Gene was just a consultant, he still was, like, trying to have his voice heard, I guess, because he complained He complained that the, the uniforms, the, the redesign of these uniforms, they were too militaristic. He complained, you know, like near the end of the film where they're like putting their torpedoes into the, the tubes mm-hmm. and running them down, like he complained that was too militaristic. And he was always writing memos and like trying to be, you know, in everyone's business. And I think, I think for the most part, like someone at the studio was just like, okay, you know, like Gene can send you all the memos in the world, but, you know, just, just ignore him. He has no power. Make, make the movie however you want to make it. And that's how it got made. Yeah, I think like that aspect of the film, like uh, I know, like Carol Marcus, I remember being like super into those. Uh, it was like 73, 74 and 75 of uh, the volume two of the DC Star Trek, you know, and they they yeah. they talk about, you know, it's it's all about his his uh, past with her. And I, I mean, that that was even though I tried repeatedly to read the lost years and failed. <laughs> You know, that 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 was part of my that, that, that's why I attempted, you know, th- this film loving this so much was why I, I I kept making the attempt because I thought, oh, I'm going to glean some insight. You know, I wanted to learn about their take on on their you know relationship and, and, and how that came to be and everything. So I was always, you know, especially any any element of this, you know, I was always fascinated by. It's interesting, though, that you said, like, you know, because I, I, I didn't know the thing about the 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 disparate scripts you know and they kind of took what worked from all of them and everything so that's kind of cool like the the aspect of like his son was leading the you know i don't know occupy outer space movement or whatever the <laughs> hell you know what i mean like like that 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 that's kind of interesting because it's like they, you know you can see elements of it you know what i mean and like even you know we were i think we were joking about it the other day but you know the whole aspect of you know uh, uh sulu you know, uh, getting his captaincy and then that gets uh, sort of cut out of the movie and, and everybody's, you know, well, you know, George Takei is butthurt over it or whatever, right? But then kind of like, bro, like if you're the captain and you go off, that means you're not going to be in any of these movies. <laughs> so I think it does you a favor to not be the captain. But it's interesting because since, since that was on my brain because we were joking about it the other day, one of the lines that stood out to me was, you know, he, he's kind of like, you know, Kirk's like, I'm, I'm glad to have you at the helm for three weeks. You know, some of these kids, they don't know how to steer. And it's like, at, you know, when you first watch it, all you hear is, you know, you, you get it like all these young kids and, they're, you know, they're, they're learning the ropes and he's glad to have somebody experienced on board. But if he's only going to be there for three weeks, if you think about it, right, that still is a carryover from that notion that he's going to go off and, come, you know, be the captain of the Excelsior in three weeks. You know what I mean? And he's he's just, you know, it's almost like he's doing uh, 
Admiral Kirk a favor by driving the ship, you know, on this like, you know, kind of uh, outing cruise or whatever it was supposed to be, you know, the kind of get the get the ship, you know, get the get the crew's feet wet and all that kind of stuff. But anyway, that, that that was something I was thinking about this time around that I guess I hadn't I hadn't super considered or whatever. So much for the little trading cruise. Right, right. I don't know. Does that does that answer your question, Mike? Like, do you have yeah. other kind of okay? I watched like those deleted scenes that Justin sent, and I I read a couple like notes of trivia. Like the the cadet who dies, that's supposed to be Scotty's nephew. Yeah, if you watch if you watch the director's cut, there's a lot more scenes with him, you know, uh, and and it, it's like there there are still scenes with him, obviously, in the theatrical cut, but but they're they're more elaborate or they're more expanded, I guess, you know, so there's, there's more scenes with him. And, and, and then when he dies, you know, some of those scenes are extended as well. You know, there's, you know, little, little lines of dialogue here and there that are, that that were kind of clipped out and cut out, but get added back in for the director's cut. And I remember one of the things I, I, it was funny because I, I, um, this is going to go into me buying art or whatever, but you know, I'm, 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 you know, I'm every once in a while, I'm on the lookout for like something from Star Trek that, that I think would be cool or whatever. And, um, one of the last auctions, I, I had to bid really high on this, um, this, uh, Superman page. So I, I couldn't, I couldn't focus on the other one, but one of the other things I was watching was, it, uh, Justin, it was the splash page, the Kurt Swan splash page from the Star Trek annual, you know, the one about Scotty and, oh, and his wife yeah. and everything. Yeah. And so so there was the splash of the mm. funeral for for him, you know, like and then and then the the, the wife come or I forget, it's the sister comes up and like slaps Kirk and mm-hmm. all this other stuff, you know. So but there there was that splash page and I was like, oh, that'd be really cool, you know, and stuff like that. But anyway had had the other auction gone lower i might have bid on both but the, the other one kind of went out the fucking anyway it, it went really high so i couldn't i couldn't focus on both of them you know but but that was something where that i i do really like that speaking again of sort of i guess the impact this film has on like ancillary things you know it's like that that this film you know the ripples of this film play a role in other material, and and certainly you know Preston you know getting killed you know on duty while you know the the con stuff is going on. Then that you know you see the ramifications of that. You know it's kind of it's almost like an annual where it's like the life and times of uh, Montgomery Scott or whatever you know type thing. And and so you know it, it kind of you know it, that moment is is uh, focused on especially and it. It gets a splash page, so clearly it's this huge moment in the family, and you you can see why there's some blowback, you know, and and then how there's some kind of separation between him and his wife, you know, and and all that kind of stuff. So, but yeah, that's 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 one of those things. I mean, I, I suppose I don't know. I mean, I, I suppose there's a lot of drama about that too, right? Like I, I imagine James Doohan had the same complaints, right? Like he thought he was going to have more scenes in the m- movie, and some of that stuff got clipped, so he was all but hurt but like i'm kind of like looking you know it's like it's funny when you look at the director's cut and it's like he didn't you know to me i'm like it didn't cut out too much do you know what i mean like some some of it like it, it it's funny to me with with either director's cuts or deleted scenes or what have you you know like sometimes you you know you look at those things and you and you you know ultimately realize why they were cut you know i mean i i i would argue the kid who played preston was 
okay in his death scene, but like so, some of the other stuff with the the more extended scenes, you're like, oh, he's a little, you know. I mean, I guess it fits for the role, but you know, the, the, there's something where he's kind of a bit over the top. So, so to me, I, I could understand why that didn't make the the theatrical cut, you know. But, um, right. but yeah, I do like Scotty's line where, like, you know, McCoy pulls the sheet over him, and you can tell like Scotty's just like he's befuddled over yeah. this, and he goes, he just looks at him, and he goes, "What? Why?" And then Kirk's like. It's his revenge for passing judgment on him. And I was just like, oh, that was a good, that is a good little like line and moment for Scotty. But so I, I can yeah. kind of see why, yeah, why yeah, yeah. would be upset. Yeah. Yeah. And, and he has that extra line about, um, you know, uh, you, you know, he, he talks about, you know, oh, I know you did all you could and all that yeah. kind of stuff, you know. So it's like there, there, there are extra moments, right? Like that, that, that were that were ultimately cut from the theatrical version. But I, I think, you know, to, to me, I'm kind of like, I, I think I'm more familiar with the theatrical version. And, and to be honest, I mean, I don't, I don't know what you think about it, Justin, but I mean, I don't, I don't think the director's cut is all that different. I mean, there's, you know, sometimes BB beach has extra lines. Sometimes, you know, Scotty has extra lines, you know what I mean? Like, like, and, and, and it's not like, I, I think the thing that, to, to me surprises me and and maybe this is just from my acting background but you know if i was an actor and i was going to be like majorly butthurt over something like like i understand <laughs> like like to me like you know what you know what makes me feel like a, a coming from an acting background that makes me feel like like i feel the gut punch and the pain of it all is the the kid who played young Clark Kent having all of his lines dubbed by Christopher mm -hmm. Reeve. Like, yeah. that's one of those things where you're like, Ooh, like that, <laughs> that, that's gotta feel like, like, I mean, I know they got to play the PR and they're going to be like, Oh no, that was fine. I just, I was in a movie and whatever and whatever. But like to, to me, like if something like that happened to me, I, I would just be fucking crushed. Do you know what I mean? And like, like that, that's something I could understand or, or something where like, your entire scene is, you know, it's like, I am, this is a joke, but like, if I was Coolio, I'd be like sad that I got completely cut out of Daredevil. You know what I mean? Like, like something, something like that, where it's like, you, 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 it's not just like, you know, some lines were stripped, but you're still an essential part of the movie. It's like, it's like, to me, like if, if, you, if your entire subplot was excised from the movie because they're like this is totally unnecessary we do not need to focus on fucking coolio and and we cut out all of coolio's scenes so this movie runs more like a tight 90 minutes like that's that, that to me would be more crushing whereas i i mean i get it like i'm sure they put a, as much you know you know i don't i don't think anybody doesn't put their best foot forward you know but but to me it seemed like there were certain things where it's like most of these moments are just extended more but they don't yeah. they're not it's not like a wholesale you know chopping block you know type thing even mccoy you know like mccoy has more lines when they're arguing about genesis and stuff mm -hmm. you know what i mean so it's like it's like everybody got a little snippety stamp you know what i mean like so i i, I don't know you know that's yeah. just you know like in star trek 6 the colonel west and the uh this is not cutting on blood like to me like that stuff is important and mm -hmm. deserves to be in a movie but the little snippets removed from star trek 2 like i don't think it 
hurts it in any way. No, like I'm no. I'm glad I'm glad that there's an alternate version. Like I remember the first time I saw that. Like I watched it on TV. Yeah, and, you know, I remember. I, I was remember just like, like, whoa! Like, what's this? This is this is new. Like I've never seen this part before. Yeah. And I was like, maybe there'll be more new stuff. And there there was some, but not you know not, not a whole not lot. Not a whole lot. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I was remember, excited. <laughs> I, I remember that was I, I want to say like ABC or something, yep. and and like. I remember seeing it and going, wait a minute, there's more, you know, like why he's got Preston's got more lines. Like, you know, you know what I mean? Like, like you could tell, like, it, it's like that stuff where, you know, they, they show you like the extended versions of Superman or whatever, you know, like the, those kind of things where you're like, you know, like some, it, it's like that used to drive like people crazy. Cause you know, like you sit there and go, dude, I know I saw this, but then it's not in the theatrical cut. So when you, when you watch it and it gets released on like DVD or something, you're like driving yourself crazy going, no, I know I saw that little shit kid get killed, you know, like, like, you know what I mean? Like, you, you know, you saw certain things, but it just, it just wasn't in, you know, the theatrical version. And then, and then, you know, of course you, you, you know, at some point maybe you start conflating the two versions together and you forget, you know, which, which was a part of which, you know? I, that's kind of interesting too. It's like that's one of those things that are different about the industry because I was reading that like they announced production of this movie and before they'd even like started filming, they had already sold the rights to air it mm-hmm. to ABC. And they were like, Well, we have to finish this thing now. Like we can't, you know, like we gotta keep things on track. We can't we gotta be under budget. Mm-hmm. But like these days it's like if there's some, you know, big movie it either goes to like whoever owns the network like tnt or whatever or maybe there's some kind of bidding war but nothing is like pre-sold before anything mm-hmm. even shot at least to my knowledge yeah i i mean I, th- there might be but but i i get what you're saying because 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 it's a lot less now too though right like or i guess maybe there's a lot more now because it's like it's like back then what 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 could you sell to abc nbc cbs like that was probably yeah. it right like i mean well you know and then and then maybe there's like local syndication packages after that but i mean that, that there must not have been i mean cuz it's like and a lot of the times the reason why those were you, you you know what it's like it's like it's like how they talk about how netflix helped finance like discovery like, mm-hmm. like, cause, cause technically what they're doing, right. Is they're saying we need to finish making Superman one and two, or we need to finish making Star Trek two. It, it is kind of like Netflix where, you know, they're, they're trying to pre-sell the rights. So they have money to finish mm-hmm. the film. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, I, I, I don't think that money necessarily just is pure profit. Like I think, I think with a lot of these big budget movies when they pre-sell the rights then then it's almost like abc becomes a producer in a way you know what i mean just like they talk about how you know netflix is a producer for a lot of these films right it's not like the money just comes out of thin air or whatever it's like they they they, you know they help finance and finish the film so they have a stake in it but then on the back end you know they get to put it on their network and then they sell a shit ton of advertising you know it's like oh we've got you know, the Monday night movie with Star Trek two, and then they sell a bunch of shit to Cheez-Its and whoever the fuck is putting commercials on there. Right. And, and then, and then they make a shit ton of money. Right. Like that's, that's how that stuff works. But you know, the, the, um, you know, I, uh, presumably it's, it's, it's somewhat similar with, 
with something like Netflix, right? As opposed to, you know, a network now. But yeah, that that totally makes sense. Do you know the old Klingon proverb that says Cheez-Its or a dish that is best served cold? It is very cold <laughs> on Netflix. Ah. <laughs> I want to see that commercial now, like Con, con selling Cheez-Its. <laughs> he's just gonna he's just sitting watching like the monitor with a box of cheez it's like eating them like very <laughs> carefully and methodically it's, it's like those old uh george reeves things that, like con just comes out and it's like did you not tell your captain the story to amuse your captain about the cheez it's yeah. <laughs> i am simply enjoying these cheez it's captain <laughs> Derek, there's a part of the movie like i remember when i was very little there was a part of the movie that kind of like scared me and gave me the heebie-jeebies like when they're on regular one like i remember that i found that oh. part scary like did that scare you the first time you saw you, it you know you know i i feel like like let me put it in perspective like like being four years old when that guy falls off the rafters and and, mm -hmm. and mccoy runs into him it, it was like when you see Texas Chainsaw Massacre for the you know what I mean like I don't I don't mean to like like because it's not nearly that bad but like when you were four and that moment happened seeing somebody like strung up like that it mm -hmm. it, it felt like like seeing you know people strung up on meat hangers and shit and tech you know like for a four-year-old right like where it's like you're like holy crap like what you know what I mean like I don't I think that's the first I don't know. Maybe I'm exaggerating, but but it probably would have been the, one of the earliest instances I had seen of someone who had been tortured to death. You know what I mean? And so, and I, I get what you're saying because they they had the right James Horner music cue and yeah. and 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 the you know it's it's one of those things that people today would call a jump scare, but it was very it was very effective with the the music with with DeForest Kelly and then with the the guy they had you know strung up and they had done the the blood effect and everything and you saw all this blood dripping off his hand and you know by today's standards it's of course extremely tame but like mm -hmm. i said in 1982 when you were you know freaking 4 years old like yeah you were you were kind of like whoa what you know like Khan's a brutal mf or you know like that's that's basically what you you know what I mean? Like that—that's what you took out of this, it. There's like, a lot of like scary. There's a lot of scary stuff in this movie. Like you know the the brain like leeches mm -hmm. or mm -hmm. whatever. Like I mean that still freaks me out watching it today. Like you know. Yeah, I always I always felt like that was like I I can't. This is one of those things I conflate, but I don't know if there's a difference between the theatrical cut and the director's cut or just like a, a made for TV edited cut but i always feel like there, there's a version of that where you don't see as much of the the little critters sliding down Chekhov and terrell's ear in mm -hmm. in a version of this like where and maybe it's just you know one of those like holy cheese doc you know edited for tv things where they don't <laughs> they don't show like all the gore or whatever they, they make it a little nicer or whatever but like yeah definitely there's that you know of course there's that sense of violation and everything and you know you're kind of you're kind of uh you know going along with those characters and everything you know it, th that that's that moment where you know you 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 identify with the characters and then they they get caught and then they get violated and you're like oh holy crap like that sucks dude you know so definitely that's um you know, I mean, it, it's funny to me, like we always used to joke about that so much. Like I, 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 I used to do all we, we would we would do like these weird kind of stand up 
I don't, I don't know how to explain it. It was like, we, it, it was like, it was like, we were like the MTV generation or the Doogie Howser generation. And like, sometimes when we were bored, like all we had to do for fun was, it was like, you know, me and one of my buddies and we had a handy cam and just us like fucking around in front of the camera. And sometimes we would, you know, we would do lip sync, Milli Vanilli, you know, music videos of ourselves, just jumping around lip syncing or doing whatever. But sometimes we would do like this back and forth shit where it was like, it, it was almost improvisational recreations of certain things. And we would do, especially cause we knew all the lines we would do Star Trek too, but like, kind of a jokey version of it, you know? And like, I, I would do things like where we would shoot him and he would be con and, you know, he would be playing with like a beach ball and, you know, and when he would forget lines, like, you know, he would, he would basically be like, you know, and you know, you killed my beloved wife and my little Nanu. And he'd be like, <laughs> I don't know, gnawing on the beach ball. And it would just be like funny stuff where we would crack each other up and like bust up and everything. And I would do this stupid shit where, you know, I would, I would be Kirk and, and do the lines, but then it would cut back to like, I, it was like, I was Terrell and I would, I put like pieces of cotton on my face. So I had like a little a little goatee beard and I was like, I don't know, maybe 11 or 12 or whatever. But it, it was this goofy thing of like, you know, my, my gag with that was like, I, I was like, well, okay, I can shoot that dude. Cause he's not a main character, you know, but I, uh, sir, it's really difficult. I can't, you know, cause, cause there's no more red shirts here. Like I can't, I can't shoot anybody else. Cause it looks like everyone's an essential part of the, wait a minute. I'm not a main character and I would turn the gun on myself and be like, <laughs> you know, and that was my, that was like my, my gag about that where he's like looking around trying to find like a not main character and realizes he is not the main character. So it's okay for him to like derez himself or whatever. You know, th this is that, you know, th this is that film that uh, made me, um, you know how I, I went on that rant about Star Trek six, like, like besides the fact that there's blood in the next generation and it's red blood for Klingons and all that other stuff, like, like the other thing that I think really, cause this, this film was so fundamental and, 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 and such a foundation for how I view Star Trek, the moments where Terrell shoots people, the, the scientist kid that gets in the way, you know, or was, was, you know, it's like David kind of jumps in and Savick, you know, saves him and, and, and pushes him out of the way. But the other scientist kid gets, I mean, I'm using Tron terms, but I mean, he gets fucking derezzed. You know what I mean? Like he's just, <laughs> and he's fucking gone. And that's why I yell and scream about Star Trek six. Cause I'm like, that's what a kill setting to me. I mean, I don't, I don't know the technical manuals or the books or anything. I'm sure, you know, I don't know. Gene Hendricks could be like, well, the phasers on setting eight, it wouldn't do that. Like, I don't, I don't know all that shit. All I know is their fucking phasers are set to kill because they're brainwashed by Khan's little critters. And, and he's telling them to kill Kirk. Right. And when a phaser is on kill setting, like it derezzes you. And that, that's also why I tend to like, you know, the, the, the Miles O'Brien Cardassian, uh, PS P PTSD episodes and stuff like that. Like I always tend to question like phaser burns. I'm like, dude, 
the scientist looked pretty vaporized to me. Like, I don't think he has any burns. I think he's fucking dead. You know what I mean? Like, like I always used to wonder, like, if you're in a war and all these phasers are set to kill, it's like, who the fuck is left to have burns? You know what I mean? I'm sure people are, like, dodging and weaving and there's potential for that, right? But And that's how I kind of rationalized it in my head. But I, I was always of the opinion, like, it, 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 I don't know if this sounds weird or not, but but it, you know, and this is probably the stuff that Roddenberry would rail against. But I'm like, the wars, at least in terms of how I viewed phaser kill settings in this movie, must have been pretty clean. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's like if you just vaporize the body, there's there's nothing there. And that's that, you know, since, like I said, this is something that was so foundational to me especially that scene i mean it's the you know come on it's the most famous you know everybody knows him screaming into the wrist communicator con and what happens right before that terrell fucking vaporizes the one scientist and vaporizes himself you know what i mean and he's like he's like you know he's like you've managed to kill everybody else here but you keep missing the target you know like that's that's the whole point of that exchange you know so to me that that was always very kind of you know I guess that's that's one of the reasons, you know, I don't know, subconsciously why I'm so passionate about the fucking, you know, I don't know, Ghostbusters gluey juice coming out of Klingons or whatever in Star Trek six. Right. Because it's like there shouldn't be anything like that. I think it's like, you know, nowadays you'll probably, you know, it might be inexcusable nowadays, but I feel like it's impressive how like. Kirk and Khan don't ever come face to face, really. Like, they just talk at each other through, like, view screens and stuff. And well, I yeah, assume they yeah. filmed their own, like, scenes. Like, I don't mm, think, like, yeah. Shatter and Montalban were even on the set together, were they? Or I don't think so. I yes. mean, you know, and and I think I think the way they talked about that, though, was, you know, I, I think the, 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 the notion is, right, like, Kirk's dealing with, you know, old age or getting past his prime like that's the whole arc he's going through right and i think the notion was well yeah and space seed even though khan was genetically augmented and had super strength and all that stuff it's like kirk was still a young man he could duck and weave and 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 potentially you know as long as he had a big fucking you know i don't know space wrench or whatever the fuck he was using in that episode he could like clobber con and shit like that and you, you kind of rationalize it because it's like okay these these are two guys in the prime of their lives and all this other stuff but here you got these guys that are much older but then you know you still see like when when con first encounters check you know like he's fucking he grabs the guy by his little handle and fucking lifts him right up the ground he's he's lifting all this heavy ass machinery that you know a normal non-genetically augmented human could not possibly hope to lift or move you know that's that's the idea and i i don't know i you know i can't cite evidence or whatever but i feel like i read interviews or or listened to things or whatever and the the idea was you know the the frustration of it is if if khan could just be face to face with kurt he would you know he would destroy him do you know what i mean like like the, the basically if they had a physical fight in Wrath of Khan, there's n there's no way Kirk could win, and 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 so it just became this kind of cat and mouse chess game, you know, and it was just a game of of intellects and and kind of like what they would describe as a, you know, a space submarine battle. Do you know what I mean? There are these two ships that are completely you know banged up and damaged, and it, and it turns into this echolocation thing, and 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 just finding the right moment in time to release your depth charges. You know what I mean? That's what the whole 
Mutara Nebula thing was about. It was kind of an allegory for a submarine battle. You know, it's like, what is it? You you seven five one, but in outer space. You know, that maybe is the the elevator pitch or whatever, right? Or, or or hunt for Red October in outer space or what? You know, whatever whatever works for somebody for them to understand. But that's that's kind of what they were getting at, and I think you know th that's kind of the the that adds to Khan's frustration too, right? Because because if he could just you know if he could somehow just beam over there and like you know lop Kirk's head off, it would all be over with. But like he he can't do that, you know. I think maybe one of the downsides for this movie is um, its legacy because a lot of the films that come after it, they feel like they need to like live up, up to it. Yeah, live up to Khan and try to like make a villain equal to or surpassing him, and they all—they pretty they all, much all fail. Like, yeah, they, they like all. I, yeah. Like I remember when John Logan was going around promoting Star Trek Nemesis, and he was like, "Yeah, I love I love Wrath of Khan, and you know I want to like try and put elements of that in this movie." And I, those those elements are just a huge failure in that movie. Like Shinzon's not anywhere. Like he's he can't even like kiss Khan's boots or anything. Well, I, I feel like that that also it, it's not just Star Trek too. Like I I remember you know when 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 Brian Singer was trying to say like you know. Superman Returns was like his Star Trek the motion picture and when they would give him a sequel to have you know General Zod in it he would make it like Wrath of Khan do you know mm -hmm. what I mean like 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 come on guys give me another movie like it'll be awesome I promise and you know like I'm always saying Hollywood never throws away a good slash bad idea I mean that's that's pretty much what Man of Steel became right like it didn't it didn't completely die right like they, they still had that element of like whether it was going to be you know I don't know Superman's fucking cousin or Preuse or who, whoever you wanted to insert into the, you know, angry Kryptonian role, you know, and they, they just went back to old hat eventually and just said, fuck it, let's just make it Zod. You know what I mean? But but that's that's one of those things where, you know, this it, it's like it, it, I, I guess it's funny, like like I, I can see why there'd be contingents of Star Trek fans that maybe would rail against this kind of like there there are those people that like hate dark knight returns you know what i mean like 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 or some people will say to me like oh how can you like dark knight returns like look at what it did to superman like how can you how can you possibly like it or whatever and it's just like i you know i don't know i can't to, for me like the, the the those are kind of equivalent like especially with what you're talking about like the legacy it's like it's like it doesn't change the fact that these are super fucking good you know what i mean the problem is everybody trying to like I don't know, they somehow learned the wrong lessons from it or or kept trying to recreate it or 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 top it or, you know, I don't know, just, you know, to, it's, you know, to, to try to, you know, recreate that lightning in a bottle. And it's like, that's not the, you know, I don't know. It, it's one of those things where it's like it's like everybody wanted to be. I, I don't know, like, like it, it, it's funny because ultimately what happens is like those things just end up becoming a poor imitation of what you actually like. You know what I mean? Like, so it's like you go back and you you reread Dark Knight Returns and you're like, oh, damn, this is great. Or you go back and you watch Star Trek 2. Right. And you're like, this is this is great. Right. But then, you know, like you're saying, fucking shins on. You know what I mean? Like, it's just kind of like, come on, man. Like, this is what? Or, like, or it's like. I mean, compare the space battles in this to, like, the battles in Star Trek Into Darkness, where it's like, mm. you've got, like, you know, 
the lens flare and you've got like a a bajillion like pew pew lasers and torpedoes flying out and everything's exploding pieces of the ship are flying off and people are getting sucked out into space and in this it's like it's like you keep saying it's like a submarine movie it's kind of deliberate slow and there's a lot of scenes of just like the enterprise and reliance stalking each other and i always appreciated that aspect to it yeah it's like it's like it's that thing of like how you know how can you have tension if if the entire fucking screen is pew pew do you know what yeah. i mean like like that it, it it's that thing of like it's so big like there's nothing to focus on like you know there's 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 no there's nothing to distinguish it's like and then and then there's that weird aspect where not only is it too large but you know there's an aspect to it where it doesn't have a lot of consequence because all that stuff happens but then like okay so who got blown out of the airlock do you even fucking care like is it anybody you care about like bunch of nobodies right so and I, like over the years, it's like I, I look at Into Darkness and see what a poor, like imitation slash copy, like mm-hmm. slash wannabe it is of this movie, basically. Like, because like the thing is, you know, everyone knows like con, like you know, mm-hmm. everyone knows that, like that's Shatner's thing, but they don't know like the context for that, like sort of like like Kirk's not even like. 100% serious when he yells that like he's trying to like push Khan's buttons he wants Khan to think he's been defeated basically because he know because like you know as soon as they close transmission Kirk is right back down to business he's calmed down and he's like because he wants Khan to think he's you know he's on the back foot or whatever but like you know they when they I I, I think I told you guys like when when I saw Enter Dark, Darkness in in theaters and like Spock did the con, like, and that was right after like Kirk died, and it was a really sad scene. When Spock did the con, everyone laughed in the theater. Like <laughs> it was like a funny moment. It wasn't like a super dramatic moment or anything, because that moment had been like memed to death and like misunderstood yeah. and like yeah. you know. So and it's not it's not even earned in that movie. Like, like there's no there's no like. 15 20 year friendship between those two characters like they've not been through yeah. all these adventures like at the beginning of that movie like kirk and spock are like kind of at each other like spock's i think like spock files charges against him for saving those like primitive people or whatever so like they're not even on the same page and that that's why i hate that scene it's like it's not earned it's just like oh people remember to sting let's do it let's do it airway because we could do it better because that that shit's old it's it's weird because I'm seeing like that on you know I'm like shock of shocks I'm seeing that fight on Twitter as we speak right like where where it, 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 there's this contingent of creators that are like no we do that because we love the same things you love but meanwhile then you've got the the angry people that are like stop fucking putting these quotes in the mouths of these other fucking people we get it we've We've seen that fucking movie. Stop quoting. You know what I mean? Like, stop quoting it. You know, it doesn't like like kind of what you guys are saying. It's not earned. It doesn't. You know, it's 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 just this kind of cannibalistic, you know, vampiristic fan service that you know is is uh, you know you 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 know it's like you, you put cool lines in the mouths of other characters because you're not clever enough to come up with 
your own cool fucking lines. You you know what I mean? Like like, and I know that's harsh, right? But it's like, dude, it. I mean, I I you know, there's probably a nicer way for somebody to explain that to somebody, but you know, come up with your own cool lines. You know what I mean? Like like, come up with your own shit. But it's 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 I don't know. Like I I think a lot of this is you know. You know, I don't know. Uh, you know, steal and 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 take whatever you need to to get the job done. Like, I mean, I I, I guess I guess that's always been a part of uh, I don't know being being an artist or something like that. Like, I, I know that's a weird thing to say, but I mean, I I feel like it it, it makes me flash back to conversations and 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 I guess maybe lectures I I would get from certain certain college professors where it would be like if you're a director you gotta lie cheat steal whatever you need to do to 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 finish the project do you know what i mean like that's what your job is as a director you know and it's like it's like one of those things where it's like you know you if if you if you follow that philosophy to its end point right then then that justifies like you know the the you know stealing from this movie to make into darkness right because it's like okay they finished it they did it you know but there, there's something about that where you're like i i think the thing about that is and it's like i you know i'm, I'm i was never the guy who was like okay i'm done with star trek after i saw that movie or anything like that like i don't you know i don't rebel against that movie i know to some people again broken record i know to some people into Darkness is the last Jedi of Star Trek movies, and it's not that for me, but I understand why it is for other people. But there's no denying that those sequences aren't earned. You know, like, I mean, I can understand, like, to me, there, you know, I, I don't know about the con moment making me bust up, but I mean, for sure, when he's he's doing his, his uh, hearty run and his little fake... Spock hair pieces bobbing up and down. I mean, it's just like I, I don't know how to explain it. It's like it's like there's certain expectations you have for characters, and it's like I expect Darkseid to like just sit there and have his hands behind his back, and the minute they turn him into like this fucking boxing brawler in a farmhouse or something, you're just like, dude, why would Darkseid lower himself to do that shit? Like, why is Darkseid sipping a cappuccino? Why is Darkseid boxing in the fucking Kent farm? Like, it doesn't in a barn of all places like why would it's a barn man that's so beneath dark side you know what i mean like like that's that kind of thing like i don't get it and it's like one of those things where i feel the same way i'm like spock is better than running around with his hair bobbing up and down like spock spock doesn't run spock doesn't fucking lose his cool spock's a fucking he he fucking is logic incarnate like it just you know that 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 kind of thing where it's like i guess you know i kind of I kind of rage against all that, I suppose. Speaking of laughing at a character's death, you know what my favorite reaction to a character's death is? Okay, you'll get it in just a minute. So this character that we all know, he explodes, and his commanding officer watches it happening on a view screen, and he goes, darn that sound wave. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. <laughs> like, that's the Star Trek equivalent uh, uh, in... um. In the darkness, like that's what mm. that scene is to me. It's like, darn that con. Yeah. <laughs> 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 it's like Orson Welles. He's like, oh, the con. Uh, the con. <laughs> <laughs> Ma, 
the like, con. You know, th there's that scene also, and I know we're like almost veering off, but like into darkness, like when you know they contact like Leonard Nimoy, like old Spock, and like he talks about you know, oh yes, like we fought Khan too, like and he was a he was a friggin' badass, and you guys are fucked, like you know, basically. And then, but I, I felt like that scene was a total misunderstanding too, where it's like you know, like how did you defeat Khan? Like Zachary Quinto asks him. And like old Spock's like, oh, like we defeated him like at great personal cost. But I'm like, Spock like didn't do what he did in Wrath of Khan to defeat Khan. Like he he did it to save the ship. Like, yeah. yeah. So, I mean, it, it's not like he, they them with the way they make it sound. It's like as if like Spock, like, you know, sacrificed himself to beat Khan. And that's not exactly. That, yeah, that's not really what yeah. happened. I mean, I mean, Khan was beaten yeah it's like the reason why he had to sacrifice himself was khan wasn't willing to be beaten you know khan was like okay well you think you have me well now i'm gonna blow up genesis you know and then and then it comes back to the whole thing of you know spock is the captain of this ship you know spock has all these conversations with kirk the needs of the many outweigh the needs of the few you know, or the one, right? And he was the fucking one. I mean, it all, it, you know, that, that's that's part of the, it's a well-written script. It's a well-executed plot. Like all those things, that conversation they have at the beginning is a, you know, it, it, it's it's a preamble to what is to come. It, it's it's a complete circle of, of their philosophy and what they're talking about. You know, they, they talk about the Kobayashi Maru. They talk about how he doesn't deal with death. I mean, I'm sure some people, I don't know, maybe this is worth going into, but I, I'm sure some people rail against that arc for Kirk, right? Like where it's like, you know, what are you talking about? Kirk hasn't dealt with death before, you know, like his his, uh, you know, fucking George Kirk with his mustache died. Like, didn't he care about his own brother and Rada? You know, I, I'm sure there's all those kind of arguments, right? But it's like, I, I, I don't know. Maybe, maybe I would argue, you know, he didn't have any control over the Operation Annihilate little floaty yeah. guys or whatever. It's like, by the time he showed up, his brother was dead. Do you know what I mean? It's not like, it's not like there was anything for him to cheat at that point. It, it, it had already happened, right? It was a done deal. But I mean, I, I don't know. Do you do you have you know any other kind of uh, counter thoughts or 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 kind of thoughts about those kind of uh, I don't know. I, I I guess I'd say you know the people who are kind of uh, raging against the wrath of Khan type stuff or whatever. I don't think so. I mean. I I can see why some people might want to take issue with that line, but I mean, I took it as, I mean, Kirk has obviously experienced death and he's sent people into, into combat. He's seen people, you know, killed by, you know, weird space vampire clouds and all kinds of things like he, you know, transporter accidents, like he's seen death, like that's not, what he's saying to me, what he's saying is he's always managed to come up with some trick like Corbomite or something, like mm -hmm. some way to get out of a situation. You know, it's like, I don't like to lose. Like, yeah. like that's like, like he's saying, like he's always had some trick up his sleeve. He's, he's managed to escape and he's patted himself on the back for it, but he's never really lost someone. 
of Spock's magnitude. Like his brother, yeah, but he, like you say, he had no control over that situation. Like, you know, he, he wasn't there. Like he, you know, like he said, like his brother was already dead when he got there. Right. I mean, that, that wasn't, that wasn't his loss, right? Like, like he, he didn't lose cause he wasn't there to lose. Right. Like that, but, but this it's like that, that, you know, I guess that comes back to the, uh, the, the misunderstanding, but the, the quote unquote great personal cost or whatever, you know what I mean? Like that's, and, and, and you're just kind of like, oh, well that's, you know, I, I, I don't know. It, it's also interesting too, because you, you, you have that idea of, you know, the, the Genesis planet before it turned out, it, it was all a bust in Star Trek three. So there's that, that kind of arc where he's, he's, you know, he reconnects with his son and, you know, there, there's that arc for them as well, you know, like that, that it gives him the opportunity to kind of, you know, be able to, I don't know, show affection, you know, like, and, 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 and something where I, I, I don't know if it's, it's to, to me, I mean, it's like that there's that kind of concept of of you you continue on in your children type thing so uh, you know that that whole idea of of you know him feeling old right well there's 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 something to be said of of there's there's something of him that will you know i mean obviously it doesn't happen but you know you know what i mean in this movie it's something of him that would go on yeah i really appreciate that scene near the end where david comes to him mm-hmm. and he's trying to talk to him and kirk you can see kirk's just like not wanting to deal with it he's like i put myself a drink you you know you want it like i need to be on the bridge and david's like whoa slow down like you know remember what you told savick about how we deal with death is at least as how important as we deal with life and, and that, kirk's that's just like those are just words and david's like no those are good words like you need to take your own advice and kirk's mm-hmm. just like yeah you're right and he hugged they had like this kind of awkward hug but it's yeah, like yeah kirk gets it like at right like right then and it took his yeah. son to like help him get it and it's interesting because that that one scene you sent us where it supposedly kirk introduces him to savik or yeah whatever that's all about but that line in and of itself insinuates that they have been getting personal that we haven't seen because because he's like you're learning about doing (laughs) well 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 i guess what i'm getting at is he told her that in the beginning of the movie Uh uh-huh do you know what i mean so so they they must have spent time in the genesis cave Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like they must have had some conversation either there or, you know, where wherever they had a down moment or whatever. I mean, she saved his life. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like so. So obviously, you know, I mean, it's that whole, you know, I don't know, Sandra Bullock, Keanu Reeves and speed thing right They're in this <laughs> intense moment. And they 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 obviously have a bond and a connection. And then even even later, you know, there there is that aspect where it kind of gets dropped, but it's kind of still carried over into into star trek 3 right they're on the same ship and all that kind of stuff and you know so so there there is that aspect to it you know and and that of course always made more sense to me than uh, than her and spock you know what i mean but but that's just me you know so what did you think about i guess Khan's people like did you ever have to rationalize that in your head like a little bit because they they're so visually different from spacey, but I guess you have to think about it like they've been living on that planet for 15 years, and it's this awful wasteland now. So I guess they, I don't know. To me, they look like they escaped from like Mad Max or something. I don't know. 
That, well, I mean, it is it is a very '80s kind of yeah. uh, dystopian Big, bad look. Hair. You know, <laughs> I, I guess I guess it's interesting that you bring that up because that's that's why I ask because I'm sure there are different takes on it and different insight. I mean, w- one of the reasons why I asked was because I I feel like there's a vast age chasm between the oh, Khan and the, his followers, the, the youthful followers, and yeah. Khan. And and it's interesting to me because I tend to wonder, like, to to me the way I would try to rationalize it is, I mean, I, I know he says, you know, these people have sworn to live and die in my command two hundred years before you were born. You know, I I know that's the line, but like I I do kind of rationalize it as you know, Joaquin and all them guys, right? Like, I mean, part of me wonders, like, is that his son with? Marlene, you know what I mean? Like, 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 is that his son with what's her face? Like, 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 are these the offspring of the people that came down to City Alpha Five because they're all so young compared to him? You know what I mean? Like, like, and so I don't know. That that's something that I yeah. kind of put in, you know, my own backstory. I don't know that that has any credence or validity, but it's like that's something that I sort of attribute to that. Where I'm like, oh, these people are so much younger compared to him. These must be you know, a, a, another generation that lived on that that planet or whatever, you know? Yeah, it, it's been a minute since I watched Spacey, but I'm, my memory of Khan's people in that episode, they were all, like, these attractive, like, very fit people. Like, maybe they were, like, between 25 and 35 or something. Mm-hmm, but these, mm-hmm. these people in Wrath of Khan, they're, like, dirty, you know, Mad Max refugees, and they look like they're between, like, I don't know, 15 and something like i don't know but yeah i've always kind of wondered about that but i'm like i don't know i guess we just didn't see all of khan's people while they were mm. in their sleeping tubes and these guys were like way in the back and we never saw them mm. woke up or something like i don't know okay okay since you brought up marla like there was um i meant to mention this earlier but there was a version of the script where where, where she was involved but mm. they found out the the actress who played marla mcgivers like she had MS and she was confined to a wheelchair. So when they mm. found that out, they kind of like wrote her out of the script. Mm. It probably gives Khan a little better motivation if she's yeah. dead. So yeah, yeah. I, I, yeah. I'm like, it, it would have been nice to have seen her one more time, but I'm like, it her death, even if it's off off screen, it gives Khan way more motivation for. Oh yeah, yeah. Have you ever considered the thought of what if? You know, I know, I know Star Trek Three changes a lot of what we know at face value about the Genesis device in this movie. But have you ever considered what Starfleet and Star Trek, like, like if if the Genesis device actually worked as advertised, like what that would mean? Well, since you bring that up, there was an early script of Star Trek Three where it opens with... Sarek coming to see Kirk and he's it's kind of like the same scene at the beginning of three where he's like you know you must bring him to Matsalea you know and all this stuff and you know well why did you leave his cotter behind like it was kind of like that but Sarek was also there to tell Kirk like the Vulcans are up in arms about this Genesis thing like they're gonna leave the Federation Federation. yeah and that was gonna be like one of the big aspects of like that version of the script. And yeah. I always thought that was like kind of an interesting idea. Like the Vulcans are so 
against and aghast at this project that it could be, you know, like they say in, in two, like that it could be perverted. Like they don't want anything to do with it. They're just they're they're Audi five thousand. Like they're, they don't mm. want nothing to do with it. I mean, I guess I guess I was thinking of the more positive aspects too, because I was like, you know, holy shit, what if you could make Genesis caves like all over the universe? Do you know what I mean? Like <laughs> like 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 what what if you you know you, you know BB Beach is like, can I cook or can I cook? And it's like, what if what if she cooked like all over the galaxy? Do you know <laughs> what I mean? Like 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 how would that dramatically change how the the Federation could, you know, potentially like expand and or, you know, like, you know, explore basically, you know, it's like if they, if they had, uh, you know, I don't know, in, instead of a star base, you know, they just had all these planets and it was, it was easy for them to get to a home base and just, you know, continually, you know, move on throughout the universe and all that stuff. Cause clearly like, it sounds like there, there are tons of planets that had no life or were uninhabitable, but then I suppose you'd have the contingent of people that are like, you know, Oh, prime directive, yada, yada, yada. Like what if those lifeless planets, you know, someday had uh, you know, a cuckoo choo gene and the, <laughs> turned into something you know what i mean like like where you're like you know or, or you know prometheus asshole shows up and farts all over the planet and makes life or whatever you know what i mean like like what what if you know like type thing so i'm, I'm sure there'd be plenty of uh moral implications to to debate for the rest of your life i mean clearly like mccoy is yeah it's funny that the the vulcans are up in arms about it because if you look at the debate right mccoy's the one who yeah, is 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 totally incensed by it, and Spock's like, "Well, I wasn't trying to talk about the morality of it. I'm just trying to, you know, give you the facts, right? Like this is this is what it means. This is this is what is going to, you know, technically occur. I'm not trying to sit there and be aghast about it, right? Like, and and uh, you know, but 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 again, you know, it's funny because you think somebody who is from a um, the Vulcans, right? Like that. So, you know, conceivably there, there, there's a certain amount of passion missing, right? Like where they're, you know, they, they, they wouldn't have the same passion that McCoy has about it, but yet it's interesting that they, you know, that they, I mean, I guess maybe that's a reason why that element was eventually scrapped too, but you know, it's interesting that, that, that it was something that was a consideration. I'm just going to go on record, like the, the uniforms in this, like, uh, Gene Roddenberry can stuff it. Cause, uh, <laughs> I, uh, I mean, I've, I, I mean, you know, obviously nostalgia probably is, is a strong factor to this, but like, I mean, I was always, you know, partial to these uniforms, you know, and everything. It doesn't look like they're on the fucking love boat or whatever, you know what I mean? So that's, uh, that's, uh, you know, yeah, for, sorry. For, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, sorry, Justin, but I'm boo to the pajamas as well. Yeah. <laughs> it's okay. It's okay. I mean, you know, like I said, I uh, for me the 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 best one in that is his admiral uniform. You know what I mean? Like that actually looks like a uniform, right? But but uh, a lot of the other stuff is kind of like eh, whatever. But but these, I think, you know, have always been kind of uh, you know dressy and 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 made sense to me and everything. And and I think also it helps with, you know, I mean, you know, it, it's one thing, right? When you you start the next generation and you start Star Trek the original series and there's all these young actors and they're all pretty fit or trim or whatever right and it's like you know speaking as someone who, who dressed up like captain kirk for halloween and wore the you know the the casual outfit i was like fucking 
I'm not eating anything for the next like three months. Do you know what I mean? Like, like, cause I, I was like, there's no, I'm, I'm like, there's no way I'm going to look good in this. If I'm a big fat slobby fuck, you know what I mean? Like, like I, it's like, that's, that's kind of, that has to be like almost like 80% of your consideration when you're, you know, the, or those original like skin tight next generation uniforms. It's like, it's like no wonder they changed from being, uh, you know, maroon and and having all the colors up front to to having the color on the shoulders and everything else was black from the the top down because black slimming do you know what i mean like that's the whole point the the the, the older you know all these guys get you know the more beer guts they have and all this other shit and and to me it's the same thing with the the black slacks and and these outfits you know it's like it's like they can still look you know professional and classy and everything but not not have to be like uh i don't know uh you know concerned with with every last uh you know i don't know thing they eat or whatever you know i've been watching some star trek fan films here the past couple weeks there was one series i'm not gonna name it because i don't want to like shame them too hard but like the very first like episode i watched you see like a shot of the bridge and i was kind of like oh yikes (laughs) like those outfits are showing like every bulge these actors mm. have and i was just like oh no well, i mean that that's the thing about it it's it's like either you you have to be uh you know super you know and there's nothing wrong with that but you you know it's like that that i i feel like that that should be a consideration right like if you're gonna wear those outfits then then being as as fit as you possibly like put it this way merrick buttrick who plays david right like his outfit is probably the most form-fitting of anyone in that cast, but he's the right age. You can tell it's not like, you know, I mean, I don't want to use, like, big country terminology, but you can tell, like, you know, at least he's going and working out. Like, it's not like he's bodybuilding or anything, but he's in good shape, and he looks fine, just like Joaquin and all them other guys wearing the— or, or you know what? Fuck it. Fucking Ricardo Montalban does not look like a fucking punk in his outfit. Like, <laughs> I mean, the, the, you know what I mean? Like, like it's yeah, it's not he, like he, he got into shape. It looked like yeah. You know what I mean? Like, if if you're gonna if you're gonna be bare chested and run around and be a big man on campus, like he he looks, you know, he looks good in the outfit. Like that's that's I guess that's all I'm saying is is if if if. if that's going to be if, if you're going to decide to wear something like that, then then you 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 have to sort of, you know, put up or shut up. Right. Like and, and uh, but otherwise, you know, it's like there are options to where if, if you're not going to be, uh, you know, in the gym every day or whatever, and you're going to be concentrating on the acting craft and, and the dramatic scenes and all that other stuff. Right. Then then, there, you know, like I said, there's other options. The black is slimming, you know, like there's there's other shit you could do. Right. And so, I mean, I think I think that worked out for for a lot of the people that were, you know, especially as it moved forward. Right. Like, you know, no one was doing a fan dance either. So. Right, I mean, right, right. So it worked. Right. Yeah. You never told your captain the story to amuse your captain of the fan dance. Oh, my God. <laughs> Ever told the story of when Grandma did a the fan dance? When Grandma did a fan uh, dance in the in the uh, fucking asshole of the galaxy. But yeah, I mean this 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 movie like fires on all cylinders. I mean it's 
it's uh, it's pretty good. I mean, I, I mean, it, it, it's clearly it's the far and away winner if you put stack up all the Star Trek movies. Yes, and, yes. and you were happy to watch this over Picard, right? Yes, I, I was <laughs> saying like I needed this as like a palliative for like you know Picard this week because that show is hurting my brain. Yeah, you're, you're like, oh yeah, this is why Star Trek is awesome. Yeah, it's like there's actual tension when they can't find each other unlike picard where it's like uh-oh gerardi's got the board queen in her we better go look for her they walk 10 feet and find her in a fucking <laughs> parking lot like what the fuck i shall avenge you gerardi board queen yeah i i mean you know this is again like i i think i unabashedly you know love this movie and and again i can't you know there, there's nothing about this i can really be super critical about i mean it was my foundation i think for star trek and you know along with the original series and and this is you know just something that continually holds up every time i go back to it all right well i guess that's gonna wrap things up for tonight if you guys have any comments questions and or concerns you can reach us over at fanholes podcast at gmail.com if you want to check out the backlog of episodes, we've got plenty of Star Trek content, especially on the proper shows. You can direct download all the proper episodes of Fanholes Podcast over on fanholespodcast.blogspot.com. And we have plenty of other shows, and you can direct download all those there. We're on all kinds of streaming. We can be found on Apple Podcasts. We're on Stitcher Radio, Google Play, Spotify, and Amazon Music. And until the next time, this is Derek, Derek WC. I don't like to lose. Signing off. Hey, it's Mike, and you task me. You task me, and I shall have you. And this is Justin. Wonderful stuff, that Romulan ale. I'm almost afraid to open this, Justin. Is it Klingon aphrodisiac? <laughs>
What's up? Not much. How you doing, Justin? You still remember, Michael. I cannot help but be touched. I, of <laughs> course, remember you. <laughs> Justin, you bloodsucker. <laughs> Green-blooded inhuman. Mike, I just noticed your avatar is Mr. Khan. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can't the wrong Khan, yeah. <laughs> They've had to have done that joke on King of the Hill at some point. Like him yelling, Con! <laughs> oh! <laughs> like, that's like, you know, if they did a, a King of the Hill, like, you know, <laughs> I'm going to bury you alive, Hank. And, like, and he's like, <laughs> like in a, he's like, oh! <laughs> Savage's like, that's my purse. I don't know you. <laughs> that would probably be like David would be like <laughs> freaking <laughs> Bobby. Yeah. <laughs> That's my Genesis device. I don't know you. <laughs> That's my Genesis device. I don't know you. Yeah, I always wondered like. When they're in a cave, Kirk looks at like a wristwatch. I always wondered like what it looked like from his side. Like was it like a space future watch or was it just, you know, some kind of like digital thing from the eighties? Dude, it, it had little holographic uh yeah. edges around shiny it. shit on the edges. <laughs> so you knew it was from a watch from the future. Actually it's funny because looking at this film, it's like the the you know, a lot of the computers and everything are so you know, 1982, you know, I guess, which which I'm sure modern people would, you know, go, rrr, rrr, rrr. but like I, I, I it's funny because I'm like, oh, yeah, Kirk has antiques. So you could always argue he's got like an antique, you know, Commodore 64 along with his flintlocks and all this other shit, too. Right. So he, he does have an old computer like way in the back mm -hmm, against the window. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. I mean, I mean, I, I bet you at the time that was supposed to be like what yeah. you used to communicate with Starfleet Command or some <laughs> shit. But, like, now you could totally argue, oh, dude, it's like it's like all these people that uh, fucking, uh, you know, save gaming systems and fucking CGC fucking Super Mario Brothers and shit, you know? Starfleet Command, my Apple II is broken. Yeah. Since Scotty. <laughs> Hello, computer. <laughs> 